Welcome to a very special episode of the Making a Mark Wrestling Podcast. This week, we are doing a birthday episode for me, because by the time you guys hear this, it will be my birthday. So, for this one, because it's a birthday episode, it will not be part of the normal episode numbering system, and it will not follow the normal routine of the podcast. Instead, we just watch the match that I wanted to see, and wanted to show Laura. Um... So, the uh, Women of Honour, which won the Twitter poll of what we should watch next, will be for the next episode where we return to regular scheduling. Um, but this one is a special birthday episode, so we just watched something that I wanted to show Laura. And something and what that, that we're sure was going to have a better reaction from me too. <laughs> yes. So, what that ended up being was Kenny Omega versus Kota Ibushi from DDT... All the way back in 2012. So, starting things off, Laura, star rating, please. So, we had to fill some time in between finishing watching the match and starting the recording for various reasons. And we watched something that would have altered my star rating of the match. But Hanzo was like, if I show you this, you have to promise not to let it affect that. So, before watching that, uh, giving the match, like... I think I think I'm genuinely I'm gonna give it five out of five five stars because it the was, first five star match. Yeah, I was super into it. Uh, again, part of it is there is, I guess it's like biased, but it's not because it's still part of you know their wrestling storylines and trajectories. So it's not really like something external that's affecting my bias. It is the direct story they want to tell. But it was immediately going to be more liked just because. Ibushi and Omega are two of my favorite wrestlers that we've watched. I love their Golden Lovers storyline and the whole their time apart and their reunion, like being so wholesome. That documentary we watched was really great. So that is was going to affect it from the beginning. But then there was just so much athleticism and craziness in this match. And then the fact that it was in DDT, which I learned is a more comedic promotion any of the times there were moments of things i normally wouldn't like because of the context of the type of promotion this was in i didn't mind them so much because it's not meant to be taken as seriously but then by the end it was pretty like they were wrestling more serious than i think they ever had in their entire lives they were not holding back but in the beginning some of the moments even in the middle that were a little bit more either verging on the edge of silly or comedic, that was fine. Because this is the time and place for that. Unlike in a serious storyline that other promotions are trying to sell kind of thing. And then every time that like the match, it looked like it was going to end and one of them kicked out. It wasn't like the oh, the sigh of like, oh, I'm so mad. I wanted this to be over. Come on, just lose already. It was the more, oh my god, are you serious? Like, how did you do that? How are you still standing? How are you still going? Because they, like I said, they were not holding back. They were wailing on each other um this match actually gets sort of like uh addressed in the documentary we watched if i remember correctly because basically kenny kenny says like he always wanted to prove he was the better of the two golden lovers because like lost yeah because basically abushi is just a naturally ridiculously athletic talented person oh my god like in terms of just raw natural talent there is nobody like Ibushi in wrestling and never mm-hmm. has been. You know what I mean? It just comes so naturally to him, it's ridiculous. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas Kenny has to, like, fucking work and scratch, you know, to get everything. So he always had, like, this, you know, like, complex of his team with this guy where it's, like, so easy to him and, you know, it's he makes it look so effortless. He always wanted to prove he can do it as well and he's just as good, if not better. And this match was his chance to sort of prove that. Well, and he failed. And that's why dream. him and... And that's why him and Kota started to, like, fall apart, because he, like, wanted to prove he was better and couldn't do it. You know what that I mean? Like, me sad. You're going to ruin your friendship just because you wanted to be, like, the best. Well, it's, Support it's insecurity. your friend in being the best, you know? It's insecurity. There's know? a lot of insecurity in wrestling. The whole video we watched with the detailing the entire overarching Triple H storyline is just all insecurity. Like, it's a common theme. In wrestling across promotions. These big giant buff dudes who could like crush most people and these amazingly strong women on the inside are still like, love me, I'm scared. Well, Well, it's generally the insecurity is told like for the heels. Like they generally tend to act like dicks because of insecurity. Like after this, Kenny went on to become the heel we saw in like the first Okada match. You know what I mean? And it all stems from him being insecure about Ibushi. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Triple H was a heel his whole career, and it was all because of insecurity, like, because he didn't feel he was good enough to win legitimately. You know, like, stuff like that. Like, heels are insecure. Which, you know, like, people always say that about, like, bullies. Oh, people bully because they're insecure about themselves. And I I doubt the the truth of that, but, you know. It makes the ending moment also, like, sad and a little less wholesome because, of course... Like, we are both saying, they, this brutal match ends and Coda immediately just kind of, like, hugs slash collapses into Kenny because they're both just like, oh, thank God, it's over. We're not dead. Are you okay? Did I hurt you? Because I'm pretty sure we're both, like, his nose is bleeding. Kenny is invisible pain, lying on the ground, can't get up, really. Like, and I was just like, oh, because they're friends and they still love each other. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm sure I'm, they're fine. But in, in fairness, the inside, Kenny's like, fuck you, I hate you, I lost Yeah, in Wayne. fairness, I don't think, like, they, I don't know if they split up exactly after this because I don't know the timeline that well. But this was definitely sort of like, you know, one of the crucial sort of cruxes in that happening. So they might have that still stayed together sad. as a team after this for a bit. You know, what also I mean? might have colored my thoughts of the match because if it's if it if it came to the Golden Lovers breaking up, I was gonna be like zero, no, because I love them so much and like no, you must always be together. <laughs> but oh well. Do you know what's yeah. hilarious? What? So this match didn't get a rating from Dave Meltzer, right? Because yeah. it's on DDT and they don't really rate DDT stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, the other year. Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi had a match in the G1 tournament that he ended up giving 5.5 out of 5 stars. Right? Yeah. Because it was that good. Nice. He broke his own scale. Um, <laughs> and he said, though, the thing is, like, you could tell, like, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi, the whole time they were in New Japan together, they kept saying they wanted to do, like, a big match like this at Wrestle Kingdom. Like, you know, in the Tokyo Dome. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, on the biggest card of the year, in the biggest stage, they wanted to do... So, like, even though this G1 match was, like, incredible and, like, broke the rating scale, you could still tell they were, like, holding back because they wanted to do this bigger match. And it's like, how do you have a match that good when you're holding back? Like, what yeah. the fuck? Like, <laughs> also, <laughs> what? biggest takeaway from this match... Change my mind. Ibushi is Ricochet in disguise. That's his alter ego. There was so much somersaulting and flipping and like I swear to God, a good quarter of this match was spent in the air. 
for Ibushi. So, I don't care. Change my mind. Ibushi and Ricochet are the same people. Or they're twins, and he's wearing a costume. It's one of the craziest things about Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega is that they're not small dudes. No, they're tall, they're and they're jacked. And yet they can still do the crazy athletic flippy shit. Literally like, from what? a standstill, just like leap four feet, like five, le- no more. They're leaping over each other, leaping like f- over five feet in the air like it's nothing. Like they're just filled with helium. And I'm like, okay, and like, sir, and, making and us like, mere mortals look bad. Kotobushi can just like stand still and just from standing, do a moonsault. Like, yeah. And like Kenny does like a running shooting star press. Like he just runs and does a backflip. Like, you know. Just dumb. Just straight up dumb. But yeah. Like, literally, the only the only two critiques, and they're more just small and in general, not, like, specific moments of the match, that would have, maybe, I was debating giving it, like, 4.8 or something for these two things. But I'm like, no, they're still, they're so small. It would be petty of me to do that. But it was, and again, like, earlier on, probably the end, it made sense. Because even I was like, I'd legitimately be throwing a tantrum if I still haven't pinned Coda when he's that exhausted, like his nose is bleeding. Uh, but like midway through the match, there was a, a, a few times the camera would show Kenny having just like a proper temper tantrum, childlike, like sat there, fists pounding the ground because he tried to pin Coda and Coda kicked out. And like most of the time, I love Kenny. But there's just rare moments where it's like, all right, it's a bit too much. A bit, just pull it back, pull it back. Just because it I, did remind me of a, a little, a child who was told they couldn't have a cookie before dinner, you know? And then the other one was Coda's trunks, just the cut of them and the color and the way they kind of like bagged at the edges, which it just, a lot of times there are many unfortunate shots where it looks like he's wearing a diaper and it's just a bit unfortunate. But They did give us a lot of shots of Kota Ibushi's ass though. And so. Kenny's though. Like we got lots of ass. <laughs> we, there was just lots of ass, but I, which um, I didn't mind because I was like, you know what? This happens to the women all the time. You know what? Show, show those of us who want to see... The man butts, let us look at them, all right? Do you want to hear a real funny thing? That's yep. sort of off topic, but it's sort of relevant as well. Is sure. Lance Storm, who's an ex-pro wrestler, now runs a pro, like, pro wrestling school that's regarded as like probably the best wrestling school in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Tweeted a while back, just randomly, at, with no context, males who are getting into wrestling, make sure you wear a thong under your pants because you should do anything to get yourself over, and that should mean showing off your nice butt. <laughs> well, like I don't. Think okay, it's dude. Wrong. Like okay. <laughs> like That's what? Thongs are not comfortable. Fuck. Yeah. Whoever invented thongs, fuck it. I'm 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 of a, a strong opinion. As a woman, guess what? We all know we're wearing underwear. Why do we need to hide underwear lines? It's no secret. You all know we wear underwear and bras. Why do we make us wear? dental floss for your butt it's not comfortable loads of male wrestlers though do actually legit like under their pants they wear thongs so that there are no underwear lines and people can see their whole butt i know but like like 10 out of 10 (laughs) um and and i'm assuming then cups under the thongs protect the genitalia no 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 cups there aren't cups in wrestling what but like considering all the damage they take how do any of these men have the ability to reproduce uh you just avoid hitting each other in the dick like, but then, like, but there's times where even the moves go wrong. Like half the time, the kicks to Kenny's, like when Abushi would like kick 
his like chest, it would be pretty low and like pretty dangerously close. And like some of the pin submissions or the part where just like when Kenny went to go put a bushi on his shoulders on the ropes from the end, but it started by just him shoving his head into his crotch. And I'm like sure getting very up close and personal with his dick. Um, I was going to say the... Regarding your first point, is that that has, throughout Kenny Omega's career, that has been one of the sort of steadfast criticisms of him, is that sometimes he can be a bit melodramatic. Like, sometimes he can be a bit over the top in his, like, selling and facial expressions and stuff. So that you're not alone in thinking that, you know what I mean? It's been one of his, like, major criticisms throughout his career. Mm -hmm. Which, if that's what people are criticising you for, like, there could be worse things. There are far worse things. Um... But the thing is, like, going back to, like, him throwing the temper tantrum is, like, it sort of, it plays into that story I was telling you, is that, like, throughout this whole match, Kota Ibushi stayed calm as a cucumber. He was never angry. At the end, he was, like, laughing and smiling. Like, this match was, like, a joke to him. And then to Kenny, it meant everything. You know what I mean? Like, Kenny was trying so hard and getting so yeah. mad when he couldn't, you know, pin Kota. And Kota was, like, smiling. It was, like, such a contrast, you know what I mean? Like, Kota Ibushi, this is, like, nothing to him. But to Kenny Omega, it's everything, you know? Fair. It's part of that story. Fair play. Um, so, shall we start going through your notes? Yeah. Um, this one, there aren't many notes. Most of the notes are strictly about the wrestling, not about, like, you know, intros, costumes and stuff. Because the intros were pretty light on this. It was just, like, some music, some cool lights walked down. They weren't really drawn out. There weren't too many, like, you know, props or add-ons. Um, and the one thing is that the music for Kenny's just made me think of playing Guitar Hero in my basement. And then Ibushi's entrance music felt like a theme song for a show like One Tree Hill. Like, I expect you could take that music and make some teenage soap opera version. Uh, like, a show called The Golden Lovers and be about them. And that song would have been perfectly in place there. I had a few notes on the entrances, if you don't. Also, just all the the confetti and the streamers and just watching them have a horde of people descend on the ring to clean it up so they can start the match timely. I'm like, well, that was a poor decision. Whose choice was that? So, first of all, I've got a note that, you know, this is DDT, which is, you know, it's a really small Japanese promotion that are a comedy promotion, primarily, you know. Mm They do really dumb stuff, like they have matches where there's like a wrestling house and there's people like wrestling in every room of the house. <laughs> and like the cameraman's just going from room to room filming all of the different matches in the house. Oh my gosh. They had Kenny, Kenny Omega wrestle an eight-year-old girl. They had Kota yeah. Bushi wrestle both a blow-up sex doll and the Invisible Man. So yeah, yeah they normally do really silly stuff, but this was not silly. No. <laughs> like at all. Uh, next note is that Kenny was looking jacked as Right, I feel like that's Holy the biggest he's ever shit. in anything we've watched. That is the biggest he's ever looked to me, at least. Yeah, like... he was massive, like absolutely enormous. Like normally him and Kotobushi are comparable, but here he dwarfed him. Like he was massive. Um, Which again, I, really I guess plays like... into the story you were telling me about of the whole he was so invested in winning this. Yeah, match. he was trying harder to like you know Bulk up. just match Kotobushi. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked Kota's entrance music. After how sort of, like, generic Kenny Omega sounded, I was like, oh, I'm just going to expect generic music for Ibushi as well. 
And then, no, like, it was a full-on song with, like, vocals and everything. And I'm like, whoa, where did this come from? Yeah, like, I didn't dislike it. I'm just saying it, to me, wouldn't have felt out of place if I saw it to the opening of one of those, like, early 2000s, 90s teen dramas, you know? Uh, Ibushi somehow looks no different now, like, in 2008 as he does now. I mean, He doesn't fucking age, dude. Like, I mean, 2012. He's, he's immortal. Yeah, it's 2012, I think. 2012, yeah. He looks no different seven years later. Like, that's all. Nope. Um, and then, regarding the streamers, is that's a J- Japan thing. Like, Japan love their streamers. Basically, it's like a way of getting the crowd invest- like to interact, like, to give the crowd streamers, and it's the crowd who throw the streamers into the ring. Oh, okay. So it's just a bit of, like, crowd involvement. You know, you let the crowd throw street. And, you know, they love it over there for Okay, see, reason. I thought it was just coming it. from, like, an electronic... Like, one, something in, rigged in the ceiling that would just open and release it. Or, like, machines doing it. I didn't realize it was people. There's a really funny gif of, like, a Japanese female wrestler where she gets yes. up on the... She gets up on the top turnbuckle and, like, puts a hand up for people to, like, throw the streamers. And literally a single solitary streamer flies into the ring. And she just looks so heartbroken. <laughs> like, she looks Aww. so sad. Um, and then my last note on sort of the intro- intros was the Japanese dude with an afro. <laughs> yep, you commented that. That had to be a wig, right? <laughs> or he's be. used a lot of product and technique to get his hair to do that. He had a full-blown afro. Like, what? Anyway, Crazy. back to your notes. <laughs> Craziness. So then Ibushi walked in holding two belts. And if they're still wrestling as a tag team, is that... Do they each get a belt if they're tag team champions? Or were those solo wins for Ibushi? Because then also, like, in other matches where it's been a title match, it's like they can't lose by being out of the arena. Only the other person can. Because the ref only counted when Kenny was out of the arena. He never counted when Ibushi was out. So what 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 were the belts for and what do they mean for the greater like the um, significance and win conditions of the match so they weren't tag team belts because like, you are right if they were tag team belts Kenny would have had one as well because you are right that when it's tag team belt each person gets one of them okay um and they're two separate belts but like the match for was for one of them hence why like the dude with the afro like took one of the belts off Ibushi and like held it up in the air Okay. It was because, you know, that's the one they were facing for. It's just at this point in time, Kota had two belts. Like, he must have won two different titles. And what it means to... Like, regarding the guy only counting when Kenny's out of the ring, I fucking love that because I think it's such a dumb rule that if the... I've always said this, like, the idea that the title holder, if he gets counted out, retains his title... Why did they not just, like, run away as soon as the match starts? Right? Just don't risk losing. Fuck it. <laughs> so I actually really liked that. You know, that they only count when Kenny's out because he's the only person who has something to lose by being counted out. You know what I mean? Like, that makes total sense to me. Like, and I think that's a great change to the rules. You know what I mean? Yeah. So but also, there was a belt that would have changed hands. Those yeah. were not just, like, from their other things and for show. It was... Okay. And once again, it adds more... You know, we were saying after, like, Kenny won his title, where he pushed the title aside to hug the Young Bucks? Yeah. It's like the same thing here. Like, although it was for the title, Kota's thoughts after the match wasn't, I better go get my title. It was, I need to hug Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he yeah. prioritised his friend over the title, mm-hmm. which is cute. And yep. last thing about the titles is... 
I mean about the counting, sorry, is that they seem pretty loose with the counting anyway in this one. I mean, yeah. they did not stick to it at all. Like, yeah. they just sort of counted sometimes and not other times. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And then so once the match started, I said the, it's funny because it started kind of very slow, very back and forth. Like, there'd be kind of flurries of activity and then go back to kind of like staring each other down, circling. So it was almost very like, like seeing two predators kind of like circling each other and occasionally like taking swipes to kind of like gauge your opponent's like reaction time size them up kind of thing and then all of a sudden i was like oh we're having a kickoff oh here come the backflips there was just this like marvel movie sequence of just like spin kick jump avoid it somersault kick flip oh i'm gonna backflip and avoid that too like it was just all of a sudden yeah this really crazy flurry of like aerial activity almost looks like like capoeira at times like the brazilian like dance fighting i swear and then it went back to again that slow kind of like pause and normally i was like this would seem a bit like ott and silly the the level of just sheer because it was like clear that some a lot of that was like almost ornamentative if that's a word or ornamental there we go for decoration but this is a comedy context so i don't hate it and this is a bit while it it does mean a lot to one of them it's also a bit about just showing off because we're friends and just like doing things because we can is very clear that like when the match first starts they go into it as like oh let's have like a friendly wrestling context the contest yeah. like they start with a handshake after a bit of wrestling they have another handshake like when kenny gets koto bushi against the rope he proper clean breaks from it and they're like they're like talk like you know saying to each other like come on Cody, you can do better than that you know what i mean like they're very much like been friendly and just sort of having like a wrestling contest not a wrestling match you know what i mean like Yep, they're not trying to like totally beat changes. <laughs> yes uh, and also i didn't randomly just say hadouken like that kick sequence you're talking about literally ends with kenny going for her uh, hadouken <laughs> that's funny and um, and also at the beginning it was like watching wrestling without the antagonistic aggression that usually is like stemming from the heel character or something because it was very friendly and about showing off and just kind of there wasn't a heel at this gauging. point yeah two faces having a yeah. contest yeah which was really cool and i like that i also think that's why i gave it such a high match because a lot of the stuff i dislike comes from the tropes of heels in wrestling and the way they're portrayed across various promotions so i really liked this and then uh oh then then we start seeing kenny focusing on abushi's left arm a lot so i asked was there an injury he's exploiting or is it just i'm gonna pick a body part and then just wail on that for a bit so that i have a clear like weak point and it was just i picked a body part i'm gonna do this yeah and when then you watch more like te- what are called technical wrestlers like the yeah. submission specialists and stuff like that that's a like typical part of their arsenal is that they'll just like at the start of the match just decide on a body part and just work that body part the entire match. Yeah. Like when you start to watch like say Minoru Suzuki or Zack Sabre Jr. who are like considered like some of the best technical wrestlers in the world, mm-hmm. that's the whole game plan every match is pick body part, destroy that body part. <laughs> like Yeah. Makes sense. Um and then next part I wrote and because I know normally this this rule or vine or the, this trend is in other promotions, not necessarily New Japan, but I was curious. I was like, all right, if they follow WWE rules or just the normal prediction, the way I predict, I'm like, Abushi will win because Kenny's has the stronger start. And look what happened. 
Kenny started out strongest, and then Ibushi wins. So, yet again, I am psychic, except not at all. <laughs> and it's then, almost and then like Jap- the matches are scripted. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like they're scripted. Hmm, crazy. And then I wrote Japanese wrestlers just have so much better pain noises. It makes everything, like, they sell it so much more vocally without having to do the really over-the-top, the faces and the physicality just because everything just sounds brutal. Like, oh man, Abushi yeah. just sounds in pain all the time, but one not even like in a ridiculous in, like, way. Western wrestling is this idea that like once the match starts, you should never talk. Like, yeah. I hate like no. Why why are they wrestling in total silence? Like, if you're in pain, you should be making some sort of fucking noise. Like, people don't just sit there in pain silently making yep. facial expressions. And, like, and I really love as well when wrestlers say stuff in the match. Like, like when Kenny is like, come on, Ibushi, you can do better than that. I love yeah. stuff like that. I love, like, these little, you know, like, quips to each other. You know what I mean? Like, yep. There is a way to do that badly. And it was in yes. the last match. It was in the Sasha Bailey match we watched, for example. But, yeah, I still prefer some sort of vocal. Because even in, in any other context, in any sort of competition, any sort of fight, any conflict is never silent. There's always some sort of trash talk or just noises again of shock, pain, whatever, because humans are emotional beings. So that's going to happen. Uh, and my speaking next note of was like the... oh, sorry, uh, making stuff look and sound more painful, it's really easy to do when Kotobushi is just trying to destroy your chest with kicks. And literally destroyed his chest by the end of the match. But like Kotobushi's kicks are fucking ridiculous. They're so Ken- stiff. Kenny, it's the knees. Coda, it's the kicks. Although there wasn't much of Kenny's signature, like the brutal knees in this match. That was like it's an because... Okada thing, apparently. So, no, it's, it's basically what happened with that is that at this point, and like when he first started in New Japan, he had a move called the V-Trigger, where he his opponent would be like... Yeah. Okay. And it was basically his opponent would be in the ropes... And, like, trying to get up. And as they were getting up, he'd need them, like, through the ropes, right? Yeah. And you, you've probably seen that spot, right? And that was called a V-trigger. And it was, like, one spot that he did in the matches. But eventually commentators just started calling any knee he did a V-trigger. A V-trigger. Yep. So he started including more and more and more knees into his arsenal. You know what I mean? Like... And it just sort of escalated. Like, he didn't used to do that many knees in his matches. Like, the knee was, like, a standout spot. Like Okada's dropkick. You know what I mean? Okay. Where he does, like, won a match and it's a huge moment. Um, but, like, it just sort of escalated. And became, like, a, you know, I knee everyone all the time. Yep. Fair. Um, and then, again, I had another note on the pacing of the match. Because the match was very, like, slow, slow, fast slow slow movement fast and then flurry of activity and it was kind of cool to watch it did mean though and it was great though because it meant like i was afraid to look away because i'm like if i look away i could miss like three big moves because all the big stuff is happening so so fast with all these then smaller moments that are slower in between which i think obviously if you're doing it so your viewer is afraid to look away from the match you're doing something right well one thing that they did great this match talking about pacing is traditional wrestling pacing is like, um, it's a gradient curve. You start out slow and you escalate as the match goes on, mm-hmm. right? 
Whereas this was much more of a traditional storytelling hills and valleys. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it had these hills and then it would quieten down again. And then have another moment and then quieten down again. And it's just every time it had a hill, it was slightly larger than the last one. You know what I mean? And it, And that's how it escalated. Like, it still escalated as the match went on. But with these like quiet moments woven into the middle, you know what I mean, to like change up the pacing constantly. Yeah, and even then, again, going on the if I looked away, I'd miss things because then there was that crazy dragon suplex on the apron of the ring. I barely had time to even like register it in my brain. I only know the name of that move because you and the commentators like someone said it. Like I literally was like i almost feel like i was i was watching i was physically i was there my eyes were on the screen and yet i still feel like i barely saw anything because they're just so agile and so crazy fast when they're doing these things and And the thing is most promotions when they do apron spots they're drawn out affairs where they tease it for like 10 minutes before they actually do it you know what i mean like they always tease and posture and someone will grab the ropes and stop it you know and like, they make a huge deal out of it. Whereas on this, it was just like, Dragon Suplex on the open. Yeah. <laughs> just like super quick, like out of nowhere, like no build up at it's all. It's crazy. And then I just have a note What is he doing to Ibushi's head in capitals? Oh my god, ow. I don't know what that was. There was some part where he was just, I guess, focusing on his head in some way, wailing on it. I don't know. But, and then I said, now, and that was, that was the turning point in the match for when it became from the friendly wrestling like we're showing off we can do is like now now they're thirsting for the win this is a this is turning now this is this is getting brutal and at least to me i feel like would you agree that was kind of when the match turned to just straight full-on brutality yeah i've heard this match before been described in two parts pre-moonsault and (laughs) post-moonsault not not pre-suplex post-suplex no i always see it as pre-moonsault post-moonsault Okay. Which I agree with you that, you know, I think it turns into a bit, like, it, it turns a bit before that. But the okay. moonsault is quite a, you know, nice cut point. You know what I mean? Because it's Fair. the moonsault. To, yeah, to me it would have been the suplex. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, that, again, the comic book feel that I completely gone. I was like, who do I cheer for if I like them both? <laughs> Dilemma. <laughs> so I also, like, I never really heard strong. I heard, again, members of the crowd calling out both names it also again i like watching wrestling matches where there isn't a clear favorite even if normally that would be because bad storytelling but in this case because this is outside of their storyline because they're normally a duo that wrestles together and this is supposed to be a fun extra thing but then has all this weight to it on kenny's side the crowd but again if you don't pick up on that it is like oh i'm happy either way i could have any of these two win the thing is like I think there's nothing wrong with the heel and sort of face dynamic. Like, if you have, like, say, a heel as the champion, right, and he's beating everyone, the crowd ends up, like, wanting to see someone beat him. You know what I mean? Like, you just want to see this motherfucker lose. You know what I mean? So then if you build up, like, a baby face, like, someone that the crowd loves, and the crowd is genuinely behind and adore, and you have them on a big stage beat the asshole, the crowd's gonna fucking lose their shit. Like, that can be done, right? Like, you can have matches where there's a clear favourite and you've got a good guy and a bad guy and it can be done well 
it just somehow isn't done well a lot of the time. Like, yeah. and it's not like that's difficult. Having a good guy and a bad guy and people wanting to see the bad guy lose is one of the easiest things in all of storytelling. Basically, every fictional thing ever <laughs> has good guys and bad guys. It's yeah. not that hard. Like, yep. but apparently wrestling struggles with that yep. concept. And then again, I don't know the names of things, but the next we had another crazy sequence where Ibushi is like, I'm a gymnast now. He starts by like completely just leaping over Kenny. So the move, and then he ends the whole sequence of the move, like landing on top of him in some way. It was just a series of just constant, like I'm in the air. Now I'm not, now I'm above you. Now I'm on, now I'm on your face. Now I'm in the air again. And it was just crazy to watch. At one point in that sequence, he does like a standing moonsault. But rather, you know, normally when people do moonsaults, they land like flat on the person. Mm-hmm. He lands with his knees on Kenny's chest. Yeah. Oh. Ow. Oh, just ow. And then, and then up. I've got ow. another note where it's just Kota does flippy thing. Yep. Because he went, he was postured like he was going to do another standing moonsault. But yep. then he just did a standing I did. flippy thing. Well, because what if he did it, if he was like a figure skater, I would have said it's like, it was like a triple axel. He did like 720 degrees of spinning in the air before landing While on While also doing a backflip. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like, so many flips. It kept, he li- and then also one point after that, he started from one end of the ring and was going diagonally across the ring and did like a leap, a cartwheel, and then like a moonsault into Kenny. I'm like, Ibushi, you know you're not doing a floor routine in a gymnastics competition, right? Like you can calm down. But I swear to God, it felt like half wrestling, half gymnastics later because there was just so much aerial stuff and kenny was like i'm not gonna have you one up me on athleticism here and yeah like, does a fucking running shooting star press oh my god i know and even that i was like that's some serious air there sir and, and again i had a note is it one of those secretly ricochet in disguise um oh and then also leaping off the top rope into someone's kick ow just ow yeah that looked really really painful yeah the, f- the thing is right does a uh, one thing that is consistent across all Kota Ibushi matches, and has been since even back then, he hates his own neck with a passion. I was going to say, does he want to break his neck? Does he just well, decide he, he has actually had like... He has had, like, surgery to repair his neck in the past, and still does this shit to this day. Kota! He literally, he just hates his own neck. You stress He wants me out. to destroy his own neck. Like, he hates it with a passion. <laughs> I've never I seen do. a person hate another person as much as Kota hates his own neck. <laughs> that's that's a great quote right there. Oh my god! And then and then we had again was he with the you called it what a, a star press or something? Yeah, shooting star press. It's basically okay. the difference between that and a moonsault is a moonsault's where your back is facing the person and you just do like a traditional backflip onto them. Yeah. A shooting star press is where you're facing the person, so yeah. you have to do like a backflip forwards to land on them if that see makes sense. i called it i said i don't care if it was actually called nice flying starfish that kenny did <laughs> that's what i call flying it. starfish what because because his arms are out to the side and his feet are out in a big he's like making a full he's a starfish he's how i sleep in my bed at night because i spread out and take out all the space and i call it starfishing that's what i called it okay over the top rope, Andrew Bushi. And then I was like, where is he taking him? Leaving the ring or something? Throwing. This is when they started walking to the back of the ring and he's going to use the scaffolding and like oh, climb up and d- do there the... Is, there is one thing that happened just, just before that, which is like Kenny tries to do a dragon suplex on Kota and Kota like breaks out of it and goes to run away. 
But Kenny just like grabs his pants and stops him running away, pulls him back in and just grabs the diaper. Not today. (laughs) Yep. And then I like how the ref is like saying in English, you have to go back to the ring. And the ref's like trying his hardest, bless his heart. And they're just like, nah, we're not done yet. And so Kenny tries to climb the scaffolding. But then Ibushi's like, no, I'm going to do it. Like kids in a playground pulls him down. He climbs up and does a fucking some sort of flippy something or other from the second level of like audience seating to the floor and they both just looked wrecked after that. Because I'm like, there's even as much training as you can have to take blows and lessen impact. That was some height. There is no way you both are not feeling that. Like, good lord. My my note here is uh, Kenny takes Kota on a magical journey. He's <laughs> <Like, laughs> just walking off with him into the crowd. Like, um, I, but, like, I literally just wrote, you... Kota, da fuck. Spelled D-A-F-U. <laughs> just da fuck. Um... So a few things about the moonsault is one, it's fucking stupid. It's a moonsault like from like twelve, fifteen feet up in the air. Easily fifteen feet, easy. S- secondly, is normally like spots like this. You see them all the time. Like you know when like uh, you've seen it before. Like when Ricochet did the double moonsault off the top of a cage, right? Yeah. That's probably like the same height, right? But the thing is, he had like eight people there to catch him. Yeah. Kota only had Kenny. No one else stepped in to help catch him. Poor it was just Kenny. Kenny. Oh, God. Uh, and another fun note is that uh, Kota Ibushi got banned from this building for life for that spot. Really? Yeah, the venue saw it oh and God. banned him for life. Because if people like me who do risk assessments are like, we did not assess that risk. We can't yeah. control people doing stupid they, shit. They didn't cle- like, a lot of times when wrestlers want to do spots like that, they'll clear it with the building first. But yeah, as you didn't. should. They didn't clear it with the building. They just did it. And um, yeah, they banned him for life. And well, which is a real good. big deal. It's a big deal good. because Budokan Hall, which is where this takes place, is like one of the traditional big Japanese venues. Like, and Kota just can't wrestle there anymore. Like, Good. Actions have consequences, children. Anyway. <laughs> and then, again, I wrote, this is insanely brutal. But I think why, because my other big thing, and one of the things I heard so much growing up about, from my family about why wrestling is bad and no one should watch it is because it is just, like, they saw it as pure, like, unfiltered violence. They weren't thinking about the theatrics, the storytelling. And some matches like this it's like i could maybe see that but there's just also so much athleticism like i said the gymnastics in the flips these moves the raw strength it takes to take them and set them up like it isn't just crazy violence but it did still look pretty brutal but it was so beautiful to watch i wasn't sitting there being like this is disgusting unlike the pwg match where someone takes a shoe full of thumbtacks to candice LeRae's face that disgusted me that i was like this is awful this is bullshit this is the brutality that works this is brutality that's also athletic and impressive the thing about it is it's like that uh, video i showed you said is that the best way to look at wrestling is it is it stunts performed live yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is a moonsault from 15 feet in the air with only one person to soften your landing. And they can't have, like, practiced that. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because like, they would have gotten just... banned before if they practiced that. <clears throat> or because there's so much risk of it going wrong that if you practice it a few times... And then you fuck like, it up. you know, yeah, like, one of them's probably going to go wrong. You know, the more times yeah. you do it, the more likely it is to go wrong. So... Yeah. 
so it's like it's crazy like the idea of just like doing a stunt like that that's so dangerous in front of like a live audience with no practice is mind-blowing you know what i mean like that's ridiculous it is. It's terrifying to me a little bit. And it does make my, my stage manager heart just like skip beats and have palpitations. And then and then the next note I had, we jumped to when they're back in the ring. The refs made them go back. And they had again one of those crazy sequences of just like move, move, action, action. But we both we calmed. We paused it and rewatched it because it was so silly. Kenny, while getting up and like leap, like popping back up off the ground, does this weird ornamental like foot kick. While he turned up into in the a air. ballet dancer. Yeah, it was the weirdest looking thing. I was like, Kenny, are you okay? Have you taken too many blows to the head? Like, do so you I'll think try to describe like... this to the people watching. So he did, like, Kota went for a move and Kenny backflipped out of it and landed on his feet. And then as he comes back up from landing on his feet, he, like, jumps in the air with his arms up in the air and, like, flicking his foot out behind him. It literally looks like something out of a ballet performance. This is one of those moments I wish our podcast was, like, streamed on Twitch and we then we just explored the audio because I would imitate it. I'd show right now how silly it was because it was literally, like, this, just this little, like, boing! And then foot pop, and I'm like, what is happening? And then you they just kept turned into they, ballet dancer. But they just kept wrestling. Like no one thought of it. And because there were still like three more like impressive moves after that. It was just so weird and yeah. random and in there. And the camera angle just caught it perfectly. And I was, I was like, gonna what? say one one thing uh, that I had noted that happened just before that is when they were up on the top rope and Kenny like went between Kota's legs and dropped Kota's face onto the turnbuckle. Oh, yeah, I had a note about that too, actually, is again, uh, looks like Ibushi is going to drop Kenny, and then Kenny makes him fall from the top rope and, like, hit his face on the ropes on the way down. I was like, good lord. That was before my what was the ornamental foot kick note. I just skipped it. And then again, my note about, yeah, and then again, my note about Kenny's, like, kind of melodramas. I forgot about Kenny's crazy eyes. They make me so uncomfortable because he literally looks like possessed or like rabid in some of the close-ups where he's just like the wide crazy eyes and like the tongue and the like shaking his head and the fist i'm like are you okay do we need to get you a shot right now do we need to put you put you down behind the barn like old yeller like what is happening and it's a bit like i would be if i didn't know like if i wasn't like abushi was close friends with kenny and i saw that face i'd be fucking scared i'd be like this man is insane this man reminds me of when we watched that video and the woman was playing like Randy Orton, and she does like the wide eyes and goes, "I'm a fucking psycho." <laughs> like, oh god, yeah. That's all I can think of. Like, yep. And then, oh my god, again, Kenny using the ref to stand. Ten out of ten. And then we see both of them having to use people, like human bodies, to get back up for the rest of the match because they're just getting. By now, it's clear they've been going all out, both from taking crazy hits and then just spending so much energy and raw strength executing their own moves like they are running on fumes right now they are in pain they are dying and they just wanted to end and yet the kickouts still keep coming and again i'm not sitting there like oh my god just fucking end already every time i'm just like are you kidding me holy shit what what is happening and it was just insane and then again ibushi's wobbling that was part where they did the move i think it was in that clip we watched afterwards it shows they both did some crazy move that knocked them out of the arena and then she tries to stand up wobbles and falls again like he looks drunk but like a very in drunk you missed something i'm very upset with oh you the, Kreu- the kreutz raft from the top rope i d- but we I had was two kreutz rafts in one match 
Okay, but Two. I don't, my notes don't necessarily go in order of, like, event, it's I see a note, and then I'm like, oh, then later, I'm talking about kind of groups of things in general, okay? I was gonna get to it. Okay. I just love that move, I need to talk about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, again, and that, that was the first time, I said, Kenny, one of his most visible, I wrote proper tantrums, because, to his credit, I'd be pretty, pretty pissed if I did a legendary move like that from the top rope, and the guy kicks out of it, I'd be pretty upset, but it was still a top-tier Kenny tantrum. I've got uh, after that after that happened where he did because I don't think I've ever seen a super Kreutzraff before. <laughs> like, I fucking loved a Kreutzraff so much. I don't think I've ever seen a super one before, but it looked amazing. But the thing is, so normally when you take a Kreutzraff, you land like a German suplex. You land on like the top of your back on your shoulders, mm-hmm. right? When he did the one from the top rope, nope, Kotobushi it lands right on his head. Because oh it's fucking Kotobushi, and he hates gra- his neck. I literally grabbed my neck. Well, like, what if we'd been on camera, you would have seen me. I'm doing it right now, thinking about it. Like, I just can't. I'm just like, ugh, ugh, ugh. I get minor whiplash, and I'm like the biggest baby. I can't even imagine. He literally but hates yeah. his neck. He'd, every bump that you can take onto your neck, he will take onto his neck. Yep. And then my next note was just, these guys are not humid. <laughs> they are aliens. They are Superman. They are from another planet. This is dumb. And again, I was like, Ibushi's wobbling around like a drunk person, yet he can still flip. And then again, in capital letters, another kick out. How much more of a beating do they want? All yeah, caps. like, regarding I... the out of the ring spot. So yeah. last match we watched had a top rope Frankensteiner in it. Yeah. And that was to inside the ring. And we were saying how ridiculous it was. Fucking Kenny and Cody do the same thing to the floor outside the ring where there is no padding yep what yep just how did one of them not break their back there's just so much there's literally maybe also reason why kenny bulked up just to have so much raw muscle in between the floor and his bones and vital organs because like there was we i showed laura an interview with kenny omega after the match where he talks about the three most painful bumps he's ever taken it all that was one of them one yep. of the most painful bumps he's ever taken because there's no pad in there. That is like solid concrete floor and he just flew off of the top rope onto it and landed flat on his back. It was Fuck. stupid. It was stupid. Like, but in in the best way because I have also feel like they can get away with a lot because I know, or at least I have trust in both of them that they can take these. It's like, if some other wrestlers tried that, I probably would immediately be a lot more angry or upset because I don't have the faith in them to Also, pull we it know off. that they're still both wrestling to this day. So Which they didn't helps. die. Yes. <laughs> because, because I looked it up afterwards. It's like in the thing Hanzo said he showed me. it For true facts, Kenny cracked his sternum right at the end of this match. And then you could tell kind of Abushi had a guess, like, oh, Something serious has happened, so he does a finisher, but the finisher is still directly onto the cracked sternum. I looked it up. The most common and usually the only time people crack their sternum is from car accidents, from, like, being shoved into the steering wheels with such force. And usually it can, like, fuck up your breathing and your heart. It's a sign of serious injury that they could have to be put on, like, tube breathing. They have to get, like, defibrillation. It's crazy. And this happened to him from one of those moves in this match and yep just 
kept going, not for long, but they just kept going. Wrestlers and you are could not see human. It. They're robots wearing human skin. <laughs> like, straight up. And then, the, basically, these two remind me, the analogy I wrote down in my notes, they're like my old dog playing fetch. My old dog, Dodger, would, if you got out a ball, he could be, die. he could be, like, throwing up blood, but if you held up a tennis ball, he immediately, he didn't care, he was gone, and if you threw it, he would chase that ball until his paws bled, until his paws fell off. He would wear them, like, to the ground if you let him, and that's these guys with wrestling, determined to win, just like, nope, I'm dying right now, I'm gonna kick out anyway, because it's not over yet, and they're just machines. While we were watching, I said something to you, which was, like, I'm pretty sure these two, like, when they stop wrestling, it will be because their body gave up, but not them. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? They're when literally they stop, gonna like it's pass gonna be there because in the their rain. body, yeah, and it's gonna, it's gonna be... be because their body gives up, not because they mentally give up. Like, and I feel like it's gonna be in the ring. It's not gonna be a, like they have a match and then in training they're like, you know what, I can't do this anymore. It's gonna happen in a match. I, I think for Kenny Omega, like he might like retire one day and give it up. But Maybe Kota because Bushi, he has AEW, right? Because he's one of the yeah. founders of it, so he has a but, thing to kind but of. But Kota is gonna die in a wrestling ring. It's and not it's a matter of if, it's, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. We all know it's coming. You know what I mean? It's just when is it going to happen? Yeah, and his neck's going to fuck him up. <laughs> like, and again, Abushi's nose is bleeding by the end of this. And as, as I, I, when I pointed it out, Hanzo's like, that's probably the least of their concerns. Sure enough, it was because one of them has a cracked sternum. But <laughs> uh, then again, they win. Abushi finally wins. And they both just like collapse into each other with this hug out of exhaustion but genuine concern like i choose to believe it's because they're besties and they're bros and they love each other and they're like that was intense let's never do that again and it was just this really wholesome moment like i said then the things that would have that video coloring it after and knowing that story about kenny like the cracked sternum does freak me out and i do then get concerned being like why do we allow this there should be some sort of but then again that's not a rule you can enforce i was like part of me wants some sort of rule place where you can just tell it's like somehow we'll magically know when wrestlers are hitting the line of like danger near injury had enough and we'll end matches but there's no way that's stupid that's never going to be a thing I mean, you can do or enforce and it's the, different for every wrestler so there are really dangerous moves that have a greater chance to result in injury for example the phoenix plex the move that cracked kenny's sternum right there was a match last year, Dragon Lee versus Hiromu Takahashi, where Dragon Lee went to do a Phoenix Plex, not off the top rope, just from standing to uh, Hiromu Takahashi, and like something went wrong, and Takahashi landed right on his neck and like skidded across the mat on his neck, and he ended up breaking his neck from it. So like the Phoenix Plex is a very very dangerous move and has injured a lot of people. So people should probably stop doing it. But at the same time, like, in wrestling, these people put so much strain on their bodies and their bodies take so much punishment. And most of the time when wrestlers get injured, it's not from the really dangerous moves. It's just like they take a suplex and their back just gives out. You know what I mean? Like, they, their bodies are just so beaten up that normally, like, when they get injured, it's just a normal move happens and their body stops working like yeah yeah those are all my notes for yeah so i just have a few more towards the end one is that kenny need koto bush's head clean off (laughs) it it was the only knee he did the whole match and it was like the most brutal fucking knee i've ever seen 
For anyone worried about actual decapitation, if you watch this podcast without watching wrestling, don't worry. No real decapitation occurred. But somehow, yeah, somehow gnarly. he didn't decapitate him. I'm not sure how. He should have. It was terrifying. Also, I'm amazed you didn't uh, pick up on this. Kota Ibushi kicked out with a one-winged angel. There were a few times I thought it looked like he was setting up for the one-winged angel, but I I don't know it well enough. I thought it kept getting like interrupted or Kota did something. Like I never thought it fully came to fruition. But again, I only know wrestling moves when someone yeah. happens to name them for me. So yeah, no, um, Kenny got Kota up on his shoulders, took one leg behind him, and did a one-winged angel, and Kotobushi kicked out of it. Damn. He is, to this day, the Damn. only person ever to have kicked out the one-winged angel. Seven years That's later... That's a really cool claim to fame, though. Seven years later, nobody has kicked out of it since. Damn. That's fucking cool. And yeah, as you were saying, Kenny gets a cracked sternum, so... Kotobushi does a phoenix splash right onto his cracked sternum because of course he does. Fucking idiot. And yeah, and then Kota hugs Kenny after the match and it's wholesome and cute. And yeah, it's, it's a great match but as we were sort of discussing beforehand, like there is a fine line in wrestling where you want it to look realistic and you want it to look brutal I don't want but it to you be don't want brutal. it to actually be brutal. Like you don't want people actually getting injured for the sake of your enjoyment. You know what I mean? And it's like we said in the Shibata Okada match. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I love that match. It's one of my favorite matches of all time. But it ended Shibata's career. It yeah. crossed the line. You know it what did. I mean? It was so. Cause I loved that match. Then you told me, and I was like, "What?" Oh, and then I was like, "Oh, I don't like it anymore." And the so thing much. is, as well, it's always just like one dumb thing. Like that match, him versus Okada, would have been just as good without the headbutt. You know what I mean? Like you could take the headbutt out, and it'd be the exact same match. So he ended his career for like no reason. You know what I mean? And it's like with this match, with how insane it was, if they'd have just traded the Phoenix Plex for like a, a less dangerous move, a move that hasn't broken a bunch of people's necks. Yeah. You know, like if he'd have just done a German off the top rope instead, which is much safer. You know what I mean? Like, it would have been the exact same match, but without Kenny suffering a permanent injury. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like... So yeah, there is a fine line and sometimes in these Japanese matches they cross it because they're lunatics. Um, but yeah, it was a great match. It was fucking just insanity from start... Well, not from start to finish. From about halfway through to finish it was insanity. The first half was just a nice little wrestling match between friends. like, <laughs> And then something happened. But yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm really glad you enjoyed it. I, I figured you would, just because it's <laughs> Kota Ibushi, Kenny Omega. I was going to say, just because it's my favourites. But the fact that the match is fucking insane oh my God. helps as well. You know what I mean? Like The sheer amount of just crazy moves and raw power in this match is insane. Most matches have, like, one huge moment. This match had, like... 12. Five. It had like the moonsault off the top rope. It had the super Kreutz Wrath. It had the Phoenix Plex off the top rope. 
it had the Frankenstein to the house. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, it had so many just insane moments that most people wouldn't even think about doing. Like, most people are like, nope, I'm not going to do one of them. And here these guys are just throwing a bunch of them into one match because they're literally insane. But yeah, so that has been the... Any final thoughts, Laura, before I wrap things up? Happy early birthday! Or if you're listening to well, this on Friday, happy birthday to I was going to say, we're planning to release it tomorrow. So it will well, be my birthday me, when people um, hear it. Right now, in this moment, it is early birthday. Um... But yeah, so this has been the special birthday episode. We, like say, we watched a match out of order, so we're not going to give this one a number. We're going to label it as the birthday episode. Um, and then next time we do one, we will revert back to the numbering system and go back to the regular scheduled programming, which is the promotion that Twitter voted for, Women oh of Honor. boy. Which is going to be really fun. And I'm really looking forward to it because Women of Honor is a great promotion. <laughs> you have no one to blame but yourself by telling half of the people like in our Twitch communities that that's the promotion I would hate the most. And then they voted for it because they're jerks. I hope you're ready for it. I, mean, I don't think I'm ever going to be ready, but I'll power through. Because, yeah, especially after watching this, like going to that is just going to be... It's going to oh, be tough. throw into sharp relief yeah. everything that sucks. So, um, yeah, hope you're ready for that. So, yeah, don't know when the next one will be. We'll figure something out. But uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at MAM Wrestling. Make sure you follow Laura on Twitter at LauraK483. And thank you very much for listening. And if you want to wish Hanzo a happy birthday, tweet at the podcast account, MAM Wrestling, because that's because the I'm only the Twitter account it. he uses. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for listening, everyone. Bye.